The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we solve common digital marketing problems. And we have an incredible guest today. With us is Kevin Indig. He's the director of SEO at Shopify. He's helped Companies acquire more than 100 million users total in the last 10 years and was recognized as the top SEO expert in 2020 and 21 by Search Engine Journal and as a judge of the European Search Awards. And today we're going to be talking about e-commerce, SEO, general uh, SEO questions that uh, a lot of folks have that we know that Kevin's probably the best source to get the answer from. So Kevin, welcome to the show today. It's great to be with you. Thank you. And we've, we've actually been connected uh, personally through Facebook for a long time, and we've never really had a chance to hang out. So I'm kind of geeking out a little bit on the opportunity to just get a chance to have some FaceTime with you since we've we've been in different social threads and commented on things together. And um, it's nice that we finally get to um, you know have, have a little one-on-one time. <laughs> yeah, it's long overdue. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. No kidding. So, so tell us a little bit about what you do at Shopify and what your, you know, kind of your day-to-day looks like. Sure, sure. I just joined Shopify in December, so slowly coming up on a year, um, and it's it's been quite the the ride uh, ever since. All in a positive light, of course. Basically, my job is to bring more merchants to Shopify. In a nutshell, okay. uh, I think a lot of people out there think that. I'm really focused on the product and making that more SEO friendly. And that is only a very tiny amount of my time. The majority of my time is really using um, inbound channels, predominantly SEO, of course, um, and then doing a lot of content marketing, some email and so on, uh, on most of our properties to just bring more people to Shopify and educate them along the way in terms of how to start a business. So anything around, like pretty much any site that you can see, um, especially uh, blogs and Oberlow, all of our tools, uh, landing pages and so on, that all kind of uh, falls in, into my realm. Yeah. And I have the honor to, to lead an SEO team of a bit over uh, 20 people. And then I'm also what we call a mission lead for organic growth, meaning I okay. uh, strategically steer a whole uh, army of uh, engineers and data scientists and UX designers and writers and SEOs towards just bringing more merchants to Shopify. It's amazing. And you're, you're helping so many businesses too. I, I can't tell you how many merchants you've seen using these kind of out of the box platforms or trying to use things like GoDaddy, right? As, as their, their shopping cart platform or trying as small business owners to, to use things like WooCommerce on a WordPress site and have no idea what they're doing or how to do it. And it's so frustrating that they finally, some of them just finally give up or just, you know, don't have any interest. And then you see them move to Shopify and it's like, this drag and drop world of some simplicity and such an easy way to create and, and manage an online store with all of the, the fundamental SEO bells and whistles kind of built in. They don't pay, have to pay a lot of extra to have a fast loading website. You already have a CDN. So I, I have to thank you for helping so many small businesses that were struggling trying to do e-commerce by making that process simple. Whereas a lot of those other older platforms that haven't evolved, you know, have just created a, a nightmare and in some cases even shut down businesses. So kudos to you for 
being a thought leader in that space and helping um, merchants to go to a platform that really takes good care of them. That's very kind of you, Steve. Really appreciate that. And I'll, I'll gladly pass on the compliments because I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to take credit yet. You know, I've been <laughs> uh, at the company. Hey, for a year is a while. That's 12 months in, in, in the techie world. That's like six years. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Right? In SEO, that's, that's, that's like, like a decade. That is very true. That is very true. But, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to work with tons of ultra talented and skilled people. And, you know, what, what Toby and of course, everyone in the engineering product org have done with the product over the last couple of years is, is right. nothing short of stunning. And so I, I am personally incredibly honored to, to be, you know, to take part of that and to be on that same team. And uh, it's energizing every day. I can't, I can't say it any other way. I remember really quickly, I remember doing a study with one of our clients who's in the, the watch consignment business. And, you know, before he started considering switching over, uh, we were looking back at some of the, the traffic stats of sites that have been on Shopify. And there was a point, it had to be five years ago now, it was, it was a while ago, maybe four, uh, but I, I remember every single website going from this kind of uh, stale um, plateau line to doing this, this whole hockey stick thing all at the same time. And I think it might've been when you're deploying um, CDNs or something, but it was really fascinating to watch, um, watch how SEO was amplified when, when speed became a priority to the platform. Um, and, and it was, it was so funny to see them all right around the same time, all these big brands that have been on the platform forever who are doing okay, suddenly all saw this major lift right around the same time. So we always like to look back and use that as a case study and say this speed's important. Look at all these Shopify sites and how in one uh, one day, you know, the thing switched, it, you know, the traffic switched to, um, to to really escalating. So it was it's kind of a fun story and it's neat to reflect back on on that major change and um, you know, the, the timeline of events is, as the platform continues to evolve. So I, I did put some questions together for you, um, you know, based on what, what I know our, our listeners have an interest in um, and some just out of curiosity. The first one is, you know, well, most listeners are already familiar with Shopify as an e-commerce platform um, used by online sellers uh, for mostly retail businesses. Can you give us maybe a big picture of the most essential SEO tips for those who are new or considering Shopify as their online store? I think I gave away one of them with speed, but if you've got any other tips, that'd be amazing. Yeah, here's my top three. Um, number one is to really put in the work when it comes to content on product pages. Right. I think product pages are kind of your, your frontline soldiers when it comes to your whole site as a construct. And a lot of times, a lot of merchants make the mistakes of either copy pasting the product description on that page and then leaving it there, you know, or, um, or, uh, just like coming up with like a basic amount of content. And I think there's so much potential to do something really cool. The way that I think about it is that, you know, when, 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 when you go into a store in the non online world, right? Like in the, in the, in the real world, as, as we say, quote unquote, um, if you go to a store, there's going to be probably somebody who's going to very quickly approach you and ask you how they can help you. And that's the kind of customer service that you want to transplant on your product pages, which means in essence, you want to ask and answer the most important questions. You want to give people a very in-depth idea of the product. Of course, it depends on what you sell, but there's so many details that you can uh, describe better. Like the so we don't want it to be a catalog page. Right. Exactly. You don't want to be a catalog page. You want it to be like really informative. You want to give the, the people all the information that they need. And that is more complicated than most people think, right? So for example, 
t-shirt sizes, right? There is like, what, small, medium, large, maybe extra large, maybe extra small. Yep. That is cool, but you average it out across a lot of different people and all of a sudden it's not that helpful anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So what if you, if you, you know, uh, uh, provide different sizes based on the cut or this fits a uh, male who's like six feet tall and weighs 190 pounds or those kind of things. Like that right. is really, truly helpful information. And yeah. uh, that's not just helpful for your um, customers, but will also send the right signals to Google, which means that this is the most relevant product page for that specific product. You can take that idea to your category pages. And that would be my second tip. Uh, which is to provide FAQ on your category pages, including FAQ schema markup, uh, basically uh, frequently asked questions with a little code markup that helps Google understand that this is specifically FAQ. And if you're lucky, you get a really nice snippet representation. In search results, yeah. Results. yeah. Boost that click-through rate in, in search results. I love it. Exactly. Super powerful. Um, reviews, of course, on product pages, those should definitely be there. Uh, same with, with uh, some schema markup, you get some really nice snippets. But then, yeah, going back to category pages, how can you help your customers filter for the right products, especially when you have a lot of products, right? right. Of course, if you're a small D2, uh, DTC uh, e-commerce player with like maybe a product portfolio of three products, your category page is probably not going to be that important. Maybe right. maybe drive some traffic. Sure. But the more the, the broader your portfolio, the more important those category pages become. And again, I think there is a big opportunity to help people find the right products, filter for the right products, and then maybe even answer some questions right on that category page. Um, and then lastly, you know, what I've seen some merchants do really well it's just leverage the blog more. It's not it's not a super innovative, uh, sexy tip, but there are some merchants out there who do a really they do a really good job in uh, providing guides, tutorials, and interviews. Right there's, for example, the the Bullet Journal. Um, and to be fair, I have to be careful calling out specific merchants. You know, we want to sure. be unbiased. Sure. Uh, but just an example that, that comes to mind right now, Bullet Journal. Um, they created some really cool guides about journaling in general and different types of journals that you can create. Uh, but then they also did interviews with um, thought leaders in the space, like Cal Newport, who is a big advocate of minimalism um, and, uh, um, and and non digital work. Um, and he he gave this amazing interview, which I think it was in 2016 and still ranks number one for certain generic terms. So I think there's a lot of potential to to just enrich that 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 product content with something more editorial. And then, of course, cross-reference the two. Right. Yeah, you, you got to make sure you're linking to your, your product page so that Google, when it does hit that highly linked to post that you did, that it passes some of the value from that post to your actual category or product detail page or, hey, both. Right. So right. And, and the other way around too, right? Smart. Like I think you want to link from your product page to your blog articles if they're relevant, right? So right. if somebody's not ready to buy a bullet journal because they maybe don't know what it is, maybe you want to link them to an article explaining, hey, this is the value of the product and this is how different people are using it. And then you can bring them back. So I think there's a lot of potential in just making it easier for people to buy. That's interesting. When you think about the funnel of it too, from an SEO standpoint, we, we tend to get uh, a little myopic, right? On on uh, just trying to focus on bottom line, drawing in customers. But what if they got to that page and they're not ready, and they go to that article, and then they they get convinced and they decide to go back to the page, and they still don't purchase. We can still go back and use remarketing and bring them back in by creating an audience based on the category or the product page that they were on. So there's so much more than just the SEO of bringing them into a category or to a product. There's the whole marketing automation piece. There's the whole retargeting piece. So yeah, there's there's definitely more ways that you can uh, bring the person back in. And I think 
I think getting hung up on the bottom line is probably a, a lot. Um, it's a frequent problem I think I see with small business owners in particular. Just focus on customers. I don't care about marketing. You know, and it's like, well, it's, there's no sustainability. There. There's no growth. You're not, you know, pouring water and sunlight on your digital marketing, right? You're you're just planting a tree and and hoping it doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. I think in this world. Steve, you're either a utility or you're a brand. I don't think there's a lot of middle ground. If you're a utility, then you're, you don't matter as much because people can get your product from anywhere. And you basically face a, a, a race to the bottom with somebody else who just undercuts your price, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a brand, though, then it's not enough to just buy, sell things to people, right? You have to provide an identity. You have to provide a story. You have to get people bought in and that's actually pretty powerful because yes. it's the moat, right? It's something that, that people will remember that drives purchases. And so I totally agree with you. I think there's more than just a hard conversion. I think there's a soft conversion that could maybe be signing up for an email newsletter or, you know, maybe not being exactly sure you want to buy it yet, but being retargeted and then coming back at a later point. And you shouldn't dismiss sure. that. Now, I know it's not e-commerce, but we did have quite some fun with our friends at Public Storage and creating some really humorous, fun video content and married them to specific blog pages on the website. And it was interesting because it was it was branding because no, nobody's really spending money to promote a video on how to store a refrigerator, how to store glassware. Right? Nobody's really spending money on that because it's, a, it's an upper funnel thing. It's not somebody searching for um, choosing the right storage, for example, right? It's somebody just kind of in the process of moving who hasn't really thought about storing any of the things yet. And um, I think creating that content and seeing, you know, hundreds of thousands of views for a penny, uh, a click, you know, is, is fantastic branding and it brings people in and hopefully gets them to subscribe to the blog and be part of an audience that will see future content, maybe even if it's large enough, a few of those people who see the content would link to it organically, um, you know, because they're, you know, from a ratio standpoint, if you've got 100,000 followers, what's the likelihood of if they all see that content of five or six of them? going, hey, this is really cool. I'm going to share it and link to it. So I think it's it's all part of, you know, growing that audience, growing that brand. And um, a lot of businesses kind of take that for granted. So let's, let's take a step back from talking about Shopify for a second and, and talk about you a bit. I was, I was looking at your website and you said something I really liked. It said, um, my mission is to make the right technology visible and available to the right people. For business owners in the e-commerce world of 2021, What's uh, what's topping your list of, of high technologies right now? It's such a good question. Um, a, a, a tiny bit of context right before that. Um, I my father is a doctor, and okay. if, if you grew up and your father is a doctor, there's a very high chance that you would want to become a doctor yourself, uh, either because your father tells you to, which was not my case, uh, or because you just simply see how you know a, a human who or somebody who is really important to you helps other people at a very, very significant level. And that's what happened to me. You know, I got really inspired by that. And it was on the trajectory to become a doctor until I hit, until I became 18 and realized that, you know, it's like a lot of bureaucracy and there's a lot of this and that. It's not, you don't do all the time what inspired me to become a doctor in the first place, right? There's all this kind of um, annoying stuff around the profession, but the, the inspiration still stuck with me. And I only re realized that, maybe 10 years later, but I think in part like of, of why I choose to spend my time in this 
industry and this profession is because there is a chance to have a profound impact on a lot of people at the same time and really make their lives better. And that's that's why this is my mission. That's also why I went to Shopify, to be honest. Uh, I, I was in a, in a, at a great job before Shopify at G2 where I was really happy and I didn't have any... Uh, wants or needs to change and uh, then this opportunity fell into my lap and I saw a great mission fit and that was really the main reason for why I did it and so you know like this, that answers part of your question too because I think the number one technology obviously is Shopify because I do think it democratizes opportunity across the world um, especially during the pandemic you know we've seen this huge amount of people who oh, yeah. either found opportunity or maybe even the savior in starting it was a business. necessity yeah, yeah. it really was yeah. it's Man, it's heartbreaking to see some of these stories where people, you know, stood at the cusp of of, of bankruptcy or losing everything they have, and then yeah. turning it around with Shopify. Now, not everybody who uses Shopify does that. Does that right? I don't want to, uh, you know, give the illusion that we're saving the world here, but I think we're making the world a little better. And I think another technology like that is, for example, Stripe, uh, which democratizes payment, and Shopify has a very close uh, collaboration with. I think Google is another one of these technologies. To be honest. Um, I think that in the last couple of years, uh, big tech companies have come a little bit more in the crosshairs. But I think a, a world without Google is is very, very hard to imagine. And I think it is most visible in something like search, which is so deeply ingrained in the internet these days that most people think it is the internet. Well, it's um, where we go when we want something, right? When we're <laughs> looking for information or doing product research, you know, we go straight to Google. And thanks to thanks to platforms like Shopify, they make feeding Google all that information through Merchant Center or even through organic, um, super streamlined. So yeah, I'm with you. Right, right. I mean, there's also, oops, sorry, my camera turned off for a second. Um, there's also uh, YouTube, right? There's Gmail. There's there's a lot of that stuff going, going on. And of course, it's a fantastic business, probably one of the best businesses ever created in human history. But there is a lot of value at the same time, right? And I think, uh, um, you know, I think uh, Apple plays a role in that and, and uh, some people might disagree with me, but uh, well, I think Apple's Apple's supposed to be coming out with a search engine soon. So we'll see, we'll see <laughs> yeah. what happens there. So That's going to be interesting. I have to start man. optimizing for Apple search engine expert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, what could that look like? Uh, what's that? <laughs> ASO, but that's There's already eleven app people store. searching for that this month. So it's important. I got to make sure I'm number one. But, uh, but that's great. So what what are and what are the right technologies right now? Shopify being one of them. What else? Yeah, so Shopify, Stripe, Google, Google um, Apple. I think. Um, um, I think. Um, I think Facebook is one I would count it as well. And I think this is probably the one that's most controversial to most people here. Yeah. Um, but I do think that if I think, I think Facebook is one of the companies that was the first one to really bring people together on a different level on the internet. And I think. Um, there can be a lot of conversation about their politics and decisions over the last couple of years, but I think it's hard to argue that they were really the the first true social network. And I think what they have enabled just in utility, you know, with uh, for example WhatsApp uh, and other apps, I think is is, is pretty stunning. So uh, I think I think uh, and again, I think a lot of people would disagree with me, but I think as a, as a net ad, I do think Facebook has made the world better, uh, even though there are some questionable decisions. But yeah, I do find myself using Facebook search more too when I'm looking for specific content and being able to drill down. They have some really good filters, you know, that you you don't necessarily get even with with search operators that are available in Google. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where they go and evolve. Uh, I think I think if I were to add anything right now, it would be the voice search and assistant devices. I think that's 
that's sort of the uh, the resting giant right now, if you will, right? It's it's quiet, but everybody, you know, is is starting to accumulate their uh, Alexas and their Google assistants, and um, they haven't yet taught themselves or been taught to uh, do commerce with them. But I have a feeling in the next couple of years it's coming, and I have a feeling that um, that Shopify, you, you guys are probably up to some things and planning ahead for that. But we. Uh, We'll have to save that one for another episode because we can go for hours on voice search. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. It's it's interesting though. It's you know, technology is always moving slowly and then fast. And so I think with voice search, it's it's similar. I do think that it's gonna be especially interesting in commerce. And it's already starting. Like my Amazon Alexa, I do have one. Uh started asking me a couple months ago. Uh, about once a month, hey, Kevin, don't you want to order that protein uh, powder again? You, you might be running empty. I got that, yep. My God, is it accurate? I was like, holy, <laughs> yeah, I do need to order more protein. Yes, Alexa, please order that. And so I think it's those kind of very small things that don't stand out too much yet, but that are going to creep up into our lives until it's it's going to become second nature. Right. Uh, if a lot of people will use voice search the same way as they use Google today, I'm not sure about that. Uh, maybe more conversational. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think it's much more transactional in the moment, yes or no type of questions, and very, very clear, right? Uh, which is fine in itself. So we'll see. We'll keep our eyes on it, and uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see where we go with voice. Uh, you have this amazing newsletter called the Growth Memo. Uh, will you share a little bit more about that and kind of how, how that got started and where it's going? Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Very kind. Um, the growth memo is, it used to be called TechBound, uh, which is now the, the name of my podcast. Um, so I'm trying to make it extra complicated for everyone. Uh, no, the growth memo started basically, uh, I think it must be two years ago by now. Okay. And the reason was that I, I'm, a, I'm a voracious note taker. I take notes about everything, books, meetings, thoughts, all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I kind of mix it together in what I call my digital brain. And so I was already taking a lot of notes for a lot of different things. At some point, I was like, you know what? Like, you almost have these articles together. Why don't you just start pushing them out? Um, and so that's why I started my my website and my blog. Um, and I found I found email to be a very good way to address a large audience right. and not having to compete in search or having to you know to build up uh, an SEO strategy first or rankings, sure. all that kind of stuff. Email is like instantaneous in the moment. There's no big filter unless you fall into a spam filter, of course. Right. And so, yes. um, yeah, I started that about two, two years ago. I'm now at a bit over uh, 5,100 followers uh, or subscribers. Um, and uh, it's been it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's what to me, it's, I think, I think I'm the biggest beneficiary of the newsletter. Uh, I have a high engagement rate, but it, the, for me, the, the real benefit is that I'm forced to write all the time. Mm-hmm. And to me, writing is thinking. So I think all the time. I have to stay on top of things. I have to stay in the loop. And it's a nice creative outlet. So I have just been doing or just been publishing something that I've been doing for a long time. Um, and it keeps me keeps on my toes. So I, I have a lot of fun with it. I love that. There's there's this program I've been trying to, to get the team here to, to start thinking about that. It's called Savers, right? And uh, each each letter represents something. You know, the first being silence, where you have a few minutes of silence with yourself every day, mm-hmm. um, and then there's affirmation. You know, where you 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 do some sort of you know way to convince yourself of of something that you're challenged with. If it's self esteem, you you know work on an affirmation that makes you feel more comfortable. Um, it's vision. You visualize your day and how you want it to go, and and imagine it 
being the perfect day. And then you've got exercise, which I know you and I are huge exercise buffs. Um, and that everyday routine just, just helps endorphins. It gets your blood flowing. You know, it, it keeps you sharp, gives you energy. Um, and then it's, it's uh, reading and scripting and reading, being a few minutes a day of reading something that kind of fuels your mind. For me, I like using my Feedly account and seeing all the great things that are happening among the blogs I follow. Um, and the scripting part, uh, I use a journal called Mind Journal. It's mm -hmm. for mainly for men, but um, I'm sure it's, it could be used for women too. Uh, but uh, but it's great. Every day I, I can sit down and I can I can go through my thoughts and um, things that's, that uh, I'd worked on and ideas that I have. But I never thought to actually take that information and, and create a newsletter with it. Because I have some really fun, interesting, sometimes really stupid ideas that I think people would get a kick out of. So uh, I might draw some inspiration from that and put something into our newsletter when we start it. I think we're going to be doing it in December uh, where we put a little blurb like uh, founders blurb or something and uh, like, hey, I got all this really great content from this newsletter. And then this founders piece, this guy must be crazy. This, what does he do? So uh, so we'll have to see what I do with it. But I'm definitely I'm definitely inspired by what you're doing. And you're right. The the reading and writing, you know, of, of what you do in your 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 daily life does does have you know a mental impact on you it's i think it's all part of the the mindfulness you know um, uh, discipline right yeah and steve do that. it do it i would love to hear your thoughts and read your thoughts uh and ideas <laughs> I, i think i'll have yeah. some fun with it for sure the next next question we have is around languages and um <laughs> i think it's a little bit sad because a lot of us as as business owners forget that you know america in particular is a melting pot of different languages and cultures You know, but but because English is the the dominant language, we just we're just tunnel visioned on English. And and you operate in a few different languages, and which is by the way always super impressive. Is there is there anything from your non English SEO experience uh, and interactions that you think would be beneficial for mostly English speaking companies to keep in mind or consider? Um, yeah, as, as somebody with a with a bilingual background and I was, I was lucky to, to learn a couple of languages. Um, the one thing that stands out to me is that a different language also is a different way to think sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, before we said that writing is thinking, I also think that different languages are different ways to think about just expression in general. And here's what I mean. Um, I'm going to make that tangible for, for SEOs as well in a second. But um, Chinese, for example, is a very descriptive language, right? As, I, as far as I learned, the word for trust is a combination of the word for heart and mouth. And that makes, you know, logical sense if you think about it. Uh, and that reflects a lot of different words that they use. Uh, I think the same applies to, to Latin or Germanic uh, languages where they have, they just have a different way of expressing certain concepts. And that's why I think it's, it's valuable to learn different languages because it's, it's almost like a different way to think about something or express something. So I think there's inherent value in that. Um, And then I think um, from an SEO perspective um, and from internationalization, there is something, the, the aspect of culture, and we can probably take that beyond just SEO. I think that applies right. to marketing in general. The aspect of culture. Everything, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is, it is huge. And so, for example, when you... Um, and I think this is this is where things go missing when you just translate things in terms of instead of localizing, right? Yeah. So uh, when you, when American consumers want to buy an iPhone, they look on Google for iPhone, 
And then that's, that's their transactional intent, right? In, in, in Germany, you would literally translate it to buy iPhone and maybe the version. And I don't know if that's because Germans are more specific or, or extra or I don't know. Uh, but uh, it is a fundamentally different way to search. It's a fundamentally different way to think. And so I think that can often get lost in market. And that's when you sometimes feel the difference uh, when you are outside of the U.S. and an American company advertises in your country. And like immediately, oh, okay, there's something off or something weird. So I think culture is a big key to international marketing and to think about um, you know, non-English uh, content, non-English SEO. And, and, and it's, it's worth thinking about that. Uh, and on top of that, I'll, the last thing I'll say about it is that this idea of product market fit um, is very different in different countries. Right? So product market fit, basically, it's this kind of abstract construct or a situation which describe, describes the point at which people really love your product. You know, think about iPhone, think about Spotify, can't wait to sign up for it, can't wait to get more. Um, and um, that that is very fluid, right? There's, it's not, first of all, it's not binary. There's a, there's a degree or a spectrum. And second, that can change from country to country, right? In Germany, for example, certain products need to have a high degree of privacy. Otherwise, it won't fly. So it's, it's, a, it's a long winning way to say, you know, understand the markets, understand um, the, the different cultures. And I think that's something that makes any company better. Right. Yeah, and it's and from an SEO standpoint, it also... It also allows you to be more helpful to a bigger group of, of people. So somebody somebody can get to the website where their native language is a foreign language. They're seeing the content in English, but then they see that there's an option to choose to their their native language. They do that toggle over and like, oh, wow, these guys really took time to write something. Um, thinking about dialect and thinking about, you know, the, the way that that, um, you know, our, our culture searches. And they took the time to do that for me. You know what? Because they did that, I think I'd I'd rather buy from them than the other site that didn't do that. So you're you're giving yourself a little bit more, I would say, overall dwell time. They're staying on your website more, not going back to Google and choosing another result. Even if it only accounts for two percent, those two percent add up. So I think I think it's important if if you know your your audience and what you're you're capable of doing with your website, why not start addressing all the different languages? Why not why not just test it? tested using some paid ads and some paid landing pages. And if it works and you see great results from it, start incorporating it into your organic strategy. I love yeah, that. And so and you, yeah, exa exactly. That's absolutely right, Steve. And I think the sheer act of looking at a different market and looking at a different country uh, or culture can make the company itself better, right? You asked me what should companies think about and embrace when it comes to different languages. I think just a sheer act of looking at a different market, truly understanding that market and how it ticks and how the people work in it, I think that in itself can make a company much better. Yep, I agree. I only had one other question before we go to our, our lightning round. And this is an interesting, interesting one that I, I wanted to talk to with another SEO expert. Uh, a lot of small businesses and even larger enterprises think uh, when they're thinking about SEO, oh, I need an agency. And an agency is okay. There, there's someone who, you know, a, a group that will have different people and different resources to do certain things. But but there's more titles that a lot of these business owners have, have probably never heard of before. And they all have a role um, and may give you an, a competitive advantage over just kind of outsourcing everything to an agency. So I'd love to kind of get your feedback on how you might explain some of these different roles. And, and we'll just mention a few of mine, like a huge list. But the, the, the three biggest in here um, are the difference between an SEO analyst a strategist and an SEO consultant. 
in, in your opinion, what are those three different roles and, and why are they important to, uh, to businesses that are thinking about doing SEO as opposed to just hiring an agency or an SEO specialist? Such a good question. I think an SEO analyst uh, would almost be like an SEO accountant, right? Or an accountant in the company uh, uh, who'd basically tell you, hey, this is how this channel is performing. Uh, here are some weaknesses down the line. Here are some strengths. And this is basically the overall return. Right. Um, I think on the other hand, a strategist is really much more on the on the future side, right? So the accountant can tell you, okay, this is the present and the past. I think the strategist can look a bit more forward and say, hey, this is the overall opportunity that we can go after if we do the following things. And here's what those things are. Uh, and then the SEO consultant is, is more of an outsider to the company who can bring in fresh wind or uh, can bring in new ideas and, and maybe uh, clarify some unknown unknowns. Um, quality assurance. Quality assurance, <laughs> exactly. Some, you know, like yeah. backup of ideas and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, that's how I'd explain it. That's amazing. And and I do think there's several other roles. We've we've created org charts in the past of, you know, what, what the ultimate SEO team would look like. You know, and it starts with uh, you know, the SEO manager and and you've got your your writer, your link builder. Um, you might even put the paid search person under there to get them to to collaborate a little bit more with SEO. The the digital PR outreach, you know, folks that um, you know, try to make sure that your your content's getting curated and shared everywhere. There's so many different roles that your business can have. And unfortunately, in most cases, you just get an SEO specialist and they're <laughs> supposed to be all those roles. So I remember growing up, uh, you know, in, in search, I started in the late nineties, um, you know, just, just as Google was getting on its feet. And I look back at all the different roles that I've, I've had to play to support clients as, as a one man show, everything from the analyst part to establishing what our baseline is and looking at metrics to the, the research and strategist side to really kind of you know, map out, you know, where, where we're going to go. What does this roadmap look like uh, in every discipline of search, not just in content, but also in tech and in off page and in local and in e-commerce. Um, and then you've got to be this, this person who understands behavioral um, targeting and, and know that when we're creating content for a sales page, that we're not writing a blog post or an article that we're trying to be convincing and persuasive and use sales principles. Um, and then the upper funnel side is, Hey, let's, let's create some really good long form, helpful content that um, that gives people the information they need without trying to sell them too hard so that they'd be more willing to share it. So it's it's like you're playing all these different roles. You're the, the introverted ex extrovert and being the guy who can be, um, you know, logical and, and programmatic um, while also being the charismatic person who can pick up the phone and get other folks to want to link to your website. So it's, it's a really interesting dynamic that the SEO specialists have to carry. So if you have an SEO specialist and you're listening to this, go easy on them because they've they've got to be technical and they've got to be um, understanding buyer psychology and they've got to be charismatic. And not many people can be like that unless they're, you know, uh, the the character from the movie Split, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so. your org chart, by the way, in the newsletter that you're putting out. That would be a good topic. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll send it over for sure. So I got my lightning round and you're more than welcome to skip some of these questions, as you mentioned, that, uh, you know, you aren't, you aren't as involved in the, the day to day of just optimizing your Shopify store. So feel free if you want to skip any of these, if you don't know them, um, not a big deal. So Shopify for beginners, where do you point them first? Uh, our help documentation. Where is it? Say that again. It's on uh, help.shopify.com. It's our okay. help center. Where, oh, you've uh, got a whole help guide. 
yeah, uh, whole documentation. And uh, we, I think there's some good SEO elements in there as well, if that's a specific need. But for any beginner, like really our help documentation probably is a good address. That is awesome. Um, what's the next one? Can Shopify be used for services? Not yet, maybe sometime in the future. Okay. Um, mentioned countries and international. Where does Shopify sell? If, if I'm anywhere in the world, can I have a Shopify or only in certain countries? And most countries of the world, I think we're present in over a hundred countries. That's I might amazing. be slightly off there, but pretty much, yeah, most most places in the world. And there's some some cool stuff coming out about uh, coming out about that as well. I think the rest of this year, it's gonna be fun. Keep my eyes open. That's awesome. Um, can you do subscriptions or memberships using Shopify? Not yet. Looking into that. Very cool. I'm I'm getting into areas I'm not supposed to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's coming. All right. Cool. Um, how does Shopify make money? We make money a couple of different ways. Uh, the biggest one is through uh, subscriptions, basically where you start an online store and you pay a monthly fee for running that online store. But a very quickly growing income stream is actually payments. So okay. if uh, if uh, you know people uh, customers would uh, buy um, a product on your store uh, or maybe even pay that product in several installments over time, we take a small yeah. little cut by providing a payment gateway. Oh, I use I use the shop pay button like religiously. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's really not I bad. Just, I click a button, boom, I'm done. And I get notifications and even text messages. I yeah, freaking love that. It's the fastest yeah. payment gateway out there. It's, <laughs> it's stunning even to me. Yep. Um, compared to other platforms, are Shopify stores profitable and successful? I think that's an easy one. Yes, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, there's always this, whenever you start a business, there's always this challenge of time to first sale. There's basically a ticking clock. And if it takes too long for you to see any revenue, then you're going to give up. Um, but I think we've been able to continuously increase the, or increase the speed to that uh, first sale on Shopify. And uh, we're doing our best to increase it even more. That's amazing. Which Shopify plan is best? This is one I get questioned on all the time. And it it's it's one of those that I'm sure you hear a thousand times a day. <laughs> it re it really depends on your needs, you know. If, if you're just starting out, uh, then go with like the the basic plan and just play around with the with the tool or with the platform and uh, you know try to get some experience, maybe get a couple of sales in. If you're an established large retailer, you might want to talk to our plus team, which takes mm -hmm. you know is like the white glove service of Shopify. So it, yes. it, it's really hard to say without knowing the exact needs of someone. Gotcha. And we also get a lot of questions about Shopify themes. There's a lot of developers that we've talked to that that's you know have, have created some pretty amazing stuff, but. Just kind of out of the box, are, are there any Shopify themes that come to mind that are your favorites? Honestly, the new one called Dawn, D-A-W-N. Okay. It's brand new, just released. Uh, comes with a ton of cool stuff. Uh, it's the fastest theme by far that we ever released. I think it's like nice. five times faster than the, the last one before that. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to set a new standard and a new benchmark. However, uh, we just opened up our theme store for developers. So I'm sure some people will build some really cool stuff um, that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks and months. But if I had to pick one right now, it would probably be Dawn. Okay, cool. Can you change the name of uh, change the store name in Shopify? Yes. <laughs> some some people don't know it, so we've we've been guiding over to that uh, to help guide too. But now I know off the top of my head how to find it. Um, 
Let's see. Can a product be in two collections in Shopify? Uh, yes, I think there's multi-collection support. If you were to put me on a spot and uh, ask exactly how, I would have to probably Google it and look it up. But I think it's possible. I think there's some there's some canonical tag questions that could come out of that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> which by the way we uh, resolved in Dawn in the new theme. Very cool. Uh, dun, 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 let's see what's another really good one we have on the list. Can can users not wanting e-commerce still benefit anyway from Shopify, or are you just exclusively e-commerce? I think for now we're very e-commerce focused. Uh, our mission is to make commerce better for everyone, so there is a there is a very strong connection. Um, but you know, we we really want to help people to 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 start a business and just like find an opportunity in entrepreneurship for themselves. So I think right now we're very, very commerce focused, but if you, for example, look at our content, it's not just about e-commerce. It's really about entrepreneurship, starting a business, all the steps in between. So even if you don't want to go after e-commerce itself, I think you can still find a lot of, um, uh, value in our content. But I think the product right now is clearly aiming to be a, a commerce solution. I hear that a lot. Should I, should I use WordPress? Or should I use Shopify? I'm like, well, are you selling products? <laughs> right? I think that's, <laughs> that's a uh, the kicker. Um, cool. So who who are your favorite people to follow in uh, in search right now? Who are the ones that you seem to see more in your your streams than uh, than others? Oh boy, that that you, ca you catch me off guard on this one. There's so many great people out there. I don't even I don't even know where to start. I, I think I follow probably a bit over 500 people um, and not all of them are SEOs, but the most of them are. And, and so I think that goes to say how many incredible people are out there. Um, maybe a couple to, you know, um, uh, um, to mention who have recently stood out. I think uh, Paul Shapiro already, uh, also always does great stuff. Uh, we recently yeah. were lucky to have him at Shopify. Um, uh, Barry Schwartz, always a great follow, of course. Uh, he's Absolutely. always pretty up to date. And it's always nice to hear not new from him. And he gives back uh, to the community so much, too, and everything he does. Yeah. yeah, it's a crazy guy. I don't know how he does it. Um, I don't think he's human, but uh, that's <laughs> discussion for a different day. Um, <laughs> no I think, uh, oh, my God, there are so many great people. I think uh, Christina Azarenko does some really cool things. Of course, Alita Solis. Um and uh, she's got a great uh, newsletter too the little weekly oh, yeah. that she sends out that's fun I, I oh yeah that. absolutely also shout out to uh nicola roy who has a great newsletter to uh sejo george who has a great newsletter um people are gonna hate us you know this guy we're gonna have so many people are gonna sign up for all these newsletters and they'll be like it's all your guys's fault for you know telling us we need to subscribe to these newsletters and like, now <laughs> now i just all i spend all day just reading newsletters <laughs> enjoy you're welcome people <laughs> yes i was gonna say uh <laughs> Thank me later. I'm probably forgetting like 50 people right now no that come to mind, but there, there are a lot of fantastic ones out there. What are, what are some of your favorite SEO tools? Um, you know, we're, we have the luxury of, of building our whole tool stack in house at Shopify. And oh, so cool. really obsessed with what we're, what we're doing there. Uh, other than that, I think, you know, SEM rush, Ahrefs, Moz, the classics, screaming frog classic. Yep. Um, and um, then there's like a bunch of like smaller tools or little extensions that I find really cool. Uh, Detailed, for example, is a really cool browser extension. Extension okay. is very, you know, very, very basic, no rocket science. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, the the developer tools in Chrome are getting so much better. Uh, so oh, yeah, they're amazing. Tools, and and yeah. there's tons of them. One, one of the ones I've been looking at, extension I've been looking at recently um, that somebody recommended was GMB everywhere, kind of like keywords everywhere. And uh, you can actually kind of, 
dig into locations and learn a little bit more about what they're doing from a local SEO standpoint. So every time I get a new tool, it's like, like, man, you're up to 65 different extensions in Chrome, you know, and so I'm constantly toggling them on and off when I'm doing little ad hoc audits. It's fun to do. Last question is how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to, um, you know, pick your brain or, or follow up on some of the things we talked about today? I know you're on social. What's your, um, your preferred social network and tag that they can find you on or handle they can find you on? Hence on Twitter, uh, at Kevin underscore Indic. Uh, my DMs are open, so people can uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, and I'm Sweet. always happy to engage. Be, be uh, uh, you know, um, uh, um, like uh, consider it that my, my schedule is like crazy full right now. And it might take <laughs> me a little while to answer, but I'll do my best. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm teaching nine classes right now. Um, managing a team of nine of two of the world's largest casual dining chains to manage. And I'm helping with courseware for the textbook I just launched. So I feel your pain. And like, like Barry Schwartz, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, how am I doing this? How am I going <laughs> to, I looked at my calendar. I'm like, there's, there's no breaks. How am I going to get through, you know, six, six, seven calls and, you know, six follow-ups and it's crazy, but hang in there and, you know, keep doing what you're doing because you're inspiring everybody. Um, I love following all the great things that you're doing. I'm super you know, as a, as a peer, I'm super proud of all the accomplishments and the 5,000 subscribers you've earned and don't change anything. Just, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. Cause you know, you're, you're really making a difference in our industry. Ah, oh, Steve, you're amazing, man. Yeah. You're, well, you're thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to wrap this thing up guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unbottlenecked and Kevin, thanks for being such an incredible guest. Thanks for having me, man. It was a true, a true pleasure and honor. <laughs> we'll talk soon. 